0: Ready for takeoff.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, aka De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine-figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by, and let's get started. All right, Jay, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today?
0: Very good, sir. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So I ask every single one of my guests to tell us what they were doing before they became an uh, entrepreneur. So what is your story?
0: Well, I grew up in Boston and I always had a passion for the entertainment industry. So my first realm into entrepreneurship was to work in the entertainment industry. And I did that for 25 plus years as a producer and an engineer in Nashville. So that's what got it started. And then I transitioned into the corporate world and I've been doing that now for over a decade and that's been fantastic as well. And now I've stepped back to, to go into coaching and leadership development on a full-time basis.
1: It's a very interesting background. I, I, I am an electronic music producer as, as, uh, as a background before I became an entrepreneur and a coach myself. Um, what type of music uh, or what type of, uh, yeah, like what type of music were you, were you uh, working on?
0: Sure. I think uh, to your point, I think working in that industry itself is in the world of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I was working in the country market in Nashville. Nice. And that market itself, you work independently, you're an independent contractor, and you're hired by producers or other engineers to go in and work. So it's definitely a solo entrepreneur world.
1: Yes, for sure. And I, I remember one of the reasons why I transitioned to, to th- this other type of business, basically, my, my uh, digital marketing and then coaching was because, just like you said, I didn't want to necessarily do everything on my own. And as a producer, you know, like, I mean, unless you're going to outsource that too, but then at the end of the day, it's not even your work anymore. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. And and so you are an author, a speaker, and a coach. And so what made you transition from the earlier stage in your career to to the business world?
0: Well, when I was working in the entertainment industry, I did that for several years before I was asked to be the director of a uh, engineering college in Nashville. And then I did that for several years. And while I was there, I ended up writing two books on Pro Tools, the software used to record and mix in Nashville and primarily around the world. And that gained me some notoriety. And I rode that as far as I could ride it. And then as I was transitioning my career and going to work, running security companies and up to the largest security company in the world, I realized that if I kept doing this and I took that same pattern I did in the entertainment industry and I applied it to that world, I was able to climb the ladder much, much quicker than I would have been otherwise. So that led to me teaching my team and my staff of several thousand people um, overseeing Organizations around the world, I had a very, very large staff. And those people who work with me always wanted to know how they could move up. So I would help them move up. I would teach them little tricks and tips that they could use. I would train them on software. I would just keep helping them so they could keep climbing the ladder. And I realized I really preferred doing that than I did my actual work. Mm -hmm. So eventually, after I was able to work my way up and I was able to retire from that industry. With a little bit of money in the bank to allow some cushion and startup time for me to start my own business, I went into personal branding and leadership development as a career and I've been coaching and working with clients ever since.
1: That's amazing. So there's there's two things that that, that I want to bring up. So I can do it at the same time. So uh, I want to go back to when you talked about software. It's very funny that you bring this up because I remember when I went from producing electronic music to 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 running my own business in, in the digital world. Uh, one of the things that I that really helped me scale fast was that I was able to master software fast, uh, just like I, I used to. Um, In the music industry, now I was doing it with digital marketing. Is that the reason why you brought it up? Is that something that happened to you as well?
0: Well, I think with anything in Nashville, the saying used to be, in order to work, you had to be able to work quick. Yes, Speed was everything. You had to move because everybody was paying by the hour. And in Nashville, with the recording studios being the price that they are, they could be anywhere from $1,500 to $3,500 a day. And then each musician got paid by the hour because it was on a union scale and each engineer got paid by the hour, each producer got paid by the hour. So everything was a very, very high dollar amount associated to all people involved. So if you couldn't work fast and make sure that you were saving people as much money as possible, then you didn't work. And the same thing came when, like you said, when it came to learning new software. So I would learn new software. And eventually I realized I was learning Pro Tools and I was teaching people how to use Pro Tools. So what I ended up doing is writing a book on Pro Tools. And then I wrote a second book on how to use Pro Tools. So one book was to teach what it was about. And one book was to teach how to use it. And it's the same thing that applies in any other industry. You need to know the tools of your craft in order to be, to be able to work fast. And when you work fast, you save your clients money. And when you're able to save your clients money, it's that time and experience. And that's the reason why they're going to hire you
1: hundred percent. hundred percent. It's funny that you say that because sometimes people think that they have to work longer hours to charge more, but that's, you know, that freelancer mentality, they're stuck trading time for money. When in reality, like you said, once you master your tools and you're faster doing your work, uh, it's a paradox, but you actually end up making more money because more people are now looking for you and you have more time to, to serve more people and to have a bigger impact. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to talk about uh, before we got into Software, um, it was uh, management and leadership. You said that uh, you are a leadership expert. And here at the remote CEO. One of the things that we teach and we want that people to really understand is that in order for them to run a remote business, they need to become better leaders. Um, So if you could give two or three tips to our listeners on how they can become better leaders when people are not in the same office, when people are not around them.
0: Sure. Let's take a step back. Let one of these tips be from the comment you just made. And that's how much time we put into our work and how much we can charge for our work, because that's Mm -hmm. something that everybody struggles with. And I used to have students come to me all the time saying, well, I'm going to charge, you know, $10 an hour. So that way I'm cheaper than everybody else. I'm going to, I'm going to ensure that I get work. And in reality, that does the exact opposite. It makes people think that your work isn't good enough. Otherwise you'd be charging more money. And it also, another thing it does is it pulls down the worth of everybody else in the industry. So when you charge less money, people think, well, that industry shouldn't be charging so much then. So the scale that I used to tell people is you got to calculate it. It's an equation like anything else. And you should be calculating your time, the time it takes you to learn all the material, the software, like you mentioned, the equipment that you need to know how to use, the schooling and the time that you've put into school, the money that you put into school. All of these things add up and it's how fast you need to, to to recoup that money. That's really what you should be charging. So there is a formula behind it all other tips for leadership and remote working. Remote working is hard enough. And I know everybody is probably up to their, their eyeballs and Zoom calls and things like that these days, yes. but they are very important. And it's very important when you have calls like that, not to go off topic they should be targeted calls they should be quick they should be easy they should have just one or two points that you need to discuss and then you get off the call but that interaction with people that's what you need so you need to continue to have your interaction you need to keep developing these relationships no different than the two of us are doing right now it's a lot easier for us to talk one-on-one like this than it would be for us to do it through an email so Email, things get lost in translation, where a Zoom call, where we're talking one-on-one, it allows us to communicate better. So I think that's a really important tip. And then another tip is don't forget the people who aren't in your location anyway. So for example, I have locations around the world of people that I work with, and it could be different countries, it could be in different regions, but there's challenges we face. There's time zone challenges that we face. So we have to be aware of what time it is in these other locations and when is an appropriate time for us to reach out. We have to uh, understand their different forms of communication. What form of communication does that particular person or that particular region rely on? Is it Slack? Is it text messaging? Is it phone calls? Is it emails? And then we have to understand language barriers. So if we're dealing with somebody who speaks a different language, how are we interpreting that language? Do we have an interpreter? Do we take the time to learn the new language? Do we use some sort of software to, con- to convert our text to that language? These are all things that need to be considered. So when I say, or when you ask, what kind of tips can we talk about? Those are the type of things I think are very important.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's great you bring this up because one of the biggest misconceptions about building a business uh, in a remote team is that when especially when we reach out for our coaching program people tell us well we're okay we're already testing two or three VAs and and because people think that as soon as they just you know plug in a couple of people in their business everything is going to run smoothly but that's just the beginning of the process. Now the real problems arise when you don't know how to manage, like you said. And you know, another thing that I've noticed that a lot of people consider VAs almost like a piece of software, but like you said, they have they they have their their, their language, uh, they, they they speak a different language, possibly they're in different time zones and everything else, which is absolutely crucial. Um I want to switch gears for a second. You are a personal brand strategist. I am big in personal brand as well. And I wanted to get some feedback from someone like you. Um, What do you think are the main reasons why you you would want to build a personal brand in in any really niche nowadays?
0: Sure. No, I think think branding itself is starting to get a reputation and probably not a good one. People don't like hearing the same words, the same buzzwords over and over again. And I think personal branding, and branding is a buzzword at this point. But if we take that a step further and look at it, all it means is reputation. And your reputation is important. We all know that. So if we don't think of it as branding, but we think of it as developing your reputation, then you can understand the value and the worth behind that. So we talk about anything from a first impression. You know, first impressions happen almost instantly. So your first impression, what you put out to the world needs to be cohesive and needs to match who you truly are, who, who your authentic self is. Otherwise, you're leading or misleading people. So a brand for a company, for an individual, for, for any entity is very, very important. And I'm sure you could think of brands that you relate to and that you're very loyal to. And you can think of others that don't really matter to you. So what you're looking to do, what our goal is, is to create that brand loyalty. And we do that by developing reputations. It's the communication. It's the one-on-one conversations. It's how we reach out. It's how we talk to people. It's how we respond to people. When people come to us on social media and leave comments, are we taking the time to, to respond to them personally? Are we taking a time to respond to them with some sort of personalized response? All of these things matter. It's much, much more than color selection and logos. So we need to keep all of that in mind when developing our personal brand or our reputation.
1: 100%. Um, and um, you, you, you've written quite a few books. I was looking before on your website, you also have a book called The Ideas of Leadership. Um, and, and so before we get into that book, you said do have a couple of questions about that book as well. But um, when it comes to personal branding and reputation, how important is writing a book?
0: You know, I think writing a book is important. And I didn't realize how important it was until I did it. I did it because I had information that I wanted to share. I was teaching at a college and my students kept asking me the same questions over and over again. And they were things that I had in my personal notes. So when students would come in and I would reference these notes, they would ask if they could have copies of these notes. So eventually I took those notes and turned it into a book which would teach people how to use things. I did not realize the notoriety or the how quickly that book would blow up. And it was used in schools as a textbook and other things. People just wanted to use the book. When I would go into recording studios, people that I was working with had that book on their bookshelf. So it was a very, very good thing for me. I realized the power of putting together a book. And then when I switched over to the corporate world and I put a couple leadership books together, the same thing happened that my career rose much, much quicker than it would have if I didn't put the books together, because you earn instant credibility as an expert, even and it's sad, but even if people don't ever read your book, you get credibility because they think, well, it takes a certain amount of time, effort, knowledge to write a book. So you must know what you're talking about if you put a book together. And then hopefully you're delivering value. I don't want to say just put out a book with no value. Your book should produce value. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
1: and so still talking about the book, um, there's a framework that you talk in the ideas of leadership called innovation, development, engagement, and action and sincerity. Um, so can you give us a, a bit of a, you know, uh, a rundown of what this framework is for and how people can use it to, to improve
0: their leadership skills? Sure, and thank you for um, reading off the acronym because, for whatever reason, it's the hardest thing in the world for me to remember. <laughs> but it's intended for for people who are leaving college and looking to get into the to the corporate world, or people who are mid level managers looking to rise up. Mm-hmm. So it's the young professionals, yeah. but it gives them a framework that they can follow in order to to succeed and move up in their career. And it's anything from basic stuff of how to develop yourself, but it also has more advanced stuff of how to implement um, innovation and be able to take some strategic steps in advancing your career. So it does cover a wide range of leadership style topics.
1: Okay. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. And another question that I had about books, and, and, and I'm just asking all these questions to you because you've written several books. So I'm sure that you've tried and tested different things. Let's say one of our listeners at home is thinking about, you know, writing uh, something, or maybe they already have a manuscript. They just don't know what to do next. Uh, would you consider, would you would you um, say that it's easier to self-publish or should people go, you know, the published route and, and you know, take a cut, I guess, on on the profits?
0: Well, I think there's a purpose for both. It's like anything else in the world, everything depends on something else. So if you're able to get a publisher right out of the gate, which it's hard for people to get a publisher and get that attention when you've never put a book together. Mm -hmm. Um, However, if you are, and they're able to offer you something that you can't do on your own, whether that be the assembly of the book, whether that be the editing, the artwork, putting the book together itself, whether that be the distribution of the book and so on. If you can't do those things on your own, then obviously having a publisher would be a a great benefit to you. But if you can do those things on your own, and all it takes to be able to do those things is time. If you put in the research and time to learn how to do those things, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you do it on your own, self-publishing is a great option. For one, like you mentioned, then you don't have a publisher taking a cut of your book. Mm -hmm. But also, then you get to release the book that you want and there's something to be said for control so now you have to hire your own editor and you have to do all those things on your own to make sure that it's still commercially viable next to something else you know you don't want it to sit on the shelf next to something else and have it not be at the same quality however I think it's definitely possible and then the last piece I'll mention on that too is that you don't necessarily people who get published through publishers are typically authors who are looking to make a career out of being an author. If your career is something else, like coaching or like running your own business or doing some sort of service, and you're doing a book to complement that service, then you don't necessarily need a traditional publisher.
1: All right, and it makes sense. See, uh, one of my one of my uh, clients was actually asking me not that long ago, um, you know, they thought that because you, you know, if you get a publisher, then you're going to have a bigger outlet and to to reach more people. But from what I understand, you still have to do your own marketing most times. (laughs) So um, when you're self-published, you also have the control over where you put your book out. Is that correct?
0: Yes, absolutely. You have a, a few options. I mean, you could do that manually. So Mm -hmm. if you manually decide to reach out to, you know, whatever distribution channels there are, if you want to do digitally through Amazon, if you want to do some of the more brick and borders that that still exist, you can do that as well. Um, However, if there's also services that are out there that you could use that do the distribution for you, it's usually a one click, one submission, one click, and then it goes out to all of the main distribution channels.
1: All right, awesome, awesome. So, Jay, I um before we end the interview, I want to ask you, um, what are you currently working on? Get us excited. What's coming down the pipe?
0: Well, there's two things that I really focus my time on. One is our my podcast, uh Franzi and Friends. You can find it at franziandfriends.com where I meet with um my co-host Mindy Joe Regal, who helped me write the book, The Ideas of Leadership. This. my first effort into to a collaboration when it came to a book and it was very exciting it made it added that level of excitement back into writing so I've written a few books without anybody else and then adding somebody else in there and having some new ideas was great mm-hmm. um, so we put together the podcast we do that two three times a week mm-hmm. and then my coaching service man I just love working with people so I have been working with some amazing people, some entertainers, some business people, and I'm currently working with a project manager in, in Canada who's just been challenging me and just it's been a, a great conversation. We've had some great times.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So I'm sure my listeners will want to know more about what you do, Jason. where can people find you online?
0: Oh, it's very easy. It's just my name, Jay, Jay Franzi, J-A-Y-F-R-A-N-Z-E
1: awesome jay again thank you so much
0: for being at this
1: uh, remote ceo show and i'm looking forward to having you back in the future and enjoy the rest of the day for now
0: well thank you it's been pleasure
1: and this is it for today ceos thanks for staying with us until the end Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at denierob, D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. And I will send you the direct link to the review section. And to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again, and I will talk to you again soon.